Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, folks? It's your boy, Long Beach Joe, and we are back at it, and we are talking Jets. Listen, boy, oh boy, do we have quite a bit to talk about tonight. The New York Jets situation with contract situation with Marcus May, things are not looking so sweet, okay? <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest with you. Things are not looking so sweet. We're getting a lot of news coming out. You know, the, the sides seem pretty far apart. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about other things as well. Uh, within the safety position, we're going to talk about the safety position tonight. We're also going to talk about uh, players along the offense as well. Makai Decton, you know, ranked a uh, top 10 tackle by ESPN. We're going to get into it all. So, listen, I am the man of the people. I am here for the people. Let me shamelessly promote my Facebook page. Everyone go on Facebook, search The Long Beach Joe Show. Like that page. My content's up there. Go ahead and give it a listen. Message me. I'll message you right back. I love going back and forth to folks about this football team. Also, leave me some feedback. I love hearing about what you folks think I do here on The Long Beach Joe Show. So without further ado, folks, let's go ahead and get into the show. I am fired up. I'm also on iTunes as well, okay? You can go iTunes, The Long Beach Joe Show. You can subscribe uh, to my show on there as well. I'm also on Blog Talk Radio, too. Go to Blog Talk Radio backslash The Long Beach Joe Show. You can check my show out on there as well. Also, you know, I stream live during the show. For those of you that are just listening to me on Blog Talk Radio or just listening to my podcast, you can go to Long Beach Joe Jets, Long Beach Joe Jets, and subscribe to my YouTube channel over there. We live stream. uh, We talk about the Jets over there, and we get into it, you know, so you can see the show live. We have a lot of fun. We do other things as well, game and all kinds of stuff. You know, we play video games together and have a blast. So please head over to my YouTube as Long Beach Joe Jets and, uh, you know, join the conversation over there. So, Listen, we're going to get into it, man, because we got quite a bit. You know, this situation with Marcus May is completely crazy. It's really starting to spin, especially, you know, with that contract deadline coming up, uh, you know, on the 15th. And it seems like there's just the deal's just not going to get done. So there's a lot to be talked about about that. So we'll get into that in just a second. But before we go there, everyone knows that I am a fan from California. Everybody knows that, you know. Didn't grow up in the New York area, didn't grow up in the Jersey area, but I love the Jets. And I love connecting with fans that are, you know, from world, around the world that love the team just as much as I do. But it's always special to talk to, to talk to fans that are outside of that New Jersey, New York area and talk to them about what their experiences are like being Jets fans from different areas and doing different things, how they come together and connect. So tonight I'm going to have on Adam Bartolo, of the Virginia Jets Fans Club. I'm going to have him come on, and we're going to speak about what they do in Virginia and how they have a good time and come together and watch this football team together and cheer on the Jets no matter what happens. So, Adam, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm great, Long Beach Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And, again, I want to thank you for coming on. And I want to start right with you, man. I want to, get, I want to know, Adam, what made you a Jets fan? You know, it's a lot of people, they know the exact moment. They'll say, I'm a fan since birth. For me, it was more of a gradual process. You know, I grew up in central New Jersey in the 1980s. So you had that really good mix of Giants and Jets fans. And, of course, the Giants were the team back then. But my next-door neighbor was a diehard Jets fan. Uh, My father was kind of a casual Cowboys fan. My mom is not in the sports whatsoever. So 
But my dad would always take me to the Mets games for baseball, and I just found myself gradually shifting over to the Jets. It's that Mets and Jets uh, connection. So I can't really point to a specific year and say this is when I became a Jets fan. I just know there was something about the underdog, the blue collar, that really appealed to me. And uh, I still identify with that all, all the way to this day. Yeah, I, there's a lot of people, you know, that talk about their experiences of how they came into their fandom. Uh, and like you said as well, that underdog spirit, I've heard people talk about that, how they feel like when they put that green on, it's all about the world being against them. And they love sitting back and watching their team just come out of, come out of the, the scrum with that W on a weekly basis. And there's, a, there's other people as well that talk about how, hey, they grew up, and their family basically told them, listen, you're going to put this jersey on, you're going to cheer for, you know, Vinny Testaverde or Wayne Corbett or Keyshawn Johnson, whoever it was that was on the Jets at that time, and that's the end of it. You know what I'm saying? You, you don't get to choose, my friend. The, the Jets have chosen you. You know, we making sure that you're going to put on this green. So it's great to hear, you know, your perspective from, from that standpoint, Adam. Now, how did your fan club start out there, Adam? And, and where can people come out and hang out with you guys? You know, the first thing I'll say in response to what you just said, you don't meet any bandwagon Jets fans. We don't exist. You know, if you're a Jets fan, you are a Jets fan. There's just no getting around yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So, here, okay, so as far as the club goes, first thing, actually, I moved to Virginia in the summer of 2017, four years ago this month. And before that, I'd actually been living in Chicago for 20 years. And you think it's lonely, like in California, it, it's lonely in Chicago. It's 90% Bears, 9% Packers, yep. and 1% Silver Blank. So, yeah, back then I was living in St. Charles, Illinois, for about 15 years, which is the far west suburbs of Chicago. We're not talking the city. It's an hour to get downtown. You drive 10 minutes west, and it's cornfield country, you know? So mm-hmm. I would go to the sports bar, and uh, I would be the only Jets fan in the place. <laughs> and the problem was I had to watch myself from screaming because everybody pretty much knew how the Jets were doing based off my reaction and the color of my face based on how good it was getting. So moving to Virginia, like I did four years ago, one thing that I knew about this area is that you have people coming here from all over the country because there's almost a dozen military bases out here. People move here from everywhere, and you're right in that mix between north and south. So yeah. one day I just Googled uh, you know, Jets fans. I was you know, just trying to make some friends, meet some community, and lo and behold, I found the Virginia Jets fans group on Facebook. And a guy named Sterling started it back in 1990. He's uh, born and raised here. He's uh, your classic uh, lovable hippie. Uh, And he had the group going for a long time. He moved to Florida about two years ago. So he's down in the, uh, I think in the Orlando-ish area. So he decided to take a step back. And um, to make a long story short, he wound up uh, giving me the position. I wound up leading the Jets fans cheers my first year. I would lead the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets chant. From uh, the first season, I don't know why, maybe because I was uh, one of the younger ones in the group or they just knew how loud I was and that I could, you know, they could hear it all the way throughout the restaurant. But uh, they gave me the fireman uh, after my first year. We actually have award ceremonies uh, in this group. It's it's pretty crazy. Oh, oh yeah. This is is the new thing about this group. This is not a group that just shows up at 1 o'clock on a Sunday, says goodbye at 4 o'clock that afternoon, and I'll see you next week. You know, we have, we have off-seasons. Now, with COVID, it's been limited, but we have a chili cook-off every year. 
We have a family fun day, a pool party. We've done uh, Admirals hockey games, Norfolk Tides baseball games, happy hours at local breweries. You know, it's not just about football. It's really about family. It's about friendship. I mean, my best friends in Virginia are in this group. And uh, mm. I never thought I'd have something like that when I was in the Midwest, and to have it here is just tremendous. But so, yeah, we have in our Facebook – Facebook is the main way to get hold of us, by the way. Uh, just type in Virginia Jets fans on Facebook. We'll pop right up. We've got over 560 members right now. And even last year in the pandemic, we would still have about 25, 30 people showing up, and that's when the team was horrible and a lot of people were still staying home for health reasons. So it's definitely a devoted group. Uh, so, And we meet, by the way, in Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia, at A.J. Gators on Shore Drive. So that's the north side of Norfolk on Shore Drive. We've got our own little corner uh, that we get set up, and uh, we have uh, you know viewing screens for every game, and uh, we just have a great time. We show up, we're loud, we're proud. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it's all about, and that's why, like I said, I just love hearing about Jets fans being able to connect, even though you know they're not in that Jersey or or or, or New York area. Jets fans just being able to get together, watch the team, and and, and just show their love for everything that they're doing now. Again, you talked about everything you do with your fan club and how great you guys are and all the all the competition you folks have. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about just the team itself there, Adam. Give me your thoughts on this situation with Marcus May, man. How are you feeling about the Jets and them not seeming to be able to get a contract done with him yet? You know, I am looking at this in the big picture. I'm not looking at this player by player. Uh, for the first time in probably 10 years, I feel confident in both the head coach and the general manager, that they're on the same page, they have a plan. And one thing with Joe Douglas, we know he's not going to overspend. So, I mean, Mike McCagnan would do that. John Idzik would do that. I think they have an idea for what kind of player Marcus May is. And he's a very good player. He's a leader. We respect that. We appreciate him. But is he that real impact safety? I mean, he's not like a top 10 safety in the league, in my opinion. So mm. I think I'm okay with letting him play out this season. Let's see what happens. And if he wants to stay, if the feeling there is mutual, maybe they need a year. Maybe Robert Salad needs that year to get to really know Marcus May, and we'll see if that fit is there. But am I panicking about Marcus May not going to have a contract by July 15th? No, I'm not. And the other thing with this contract, from what I hear, the contract that was being offered was going to be about eight or nine million dollars a year. You know, if that was yeah. what, if that's what was being offered by the Jets, uh, I'm not taking that contract if I'm Marcus May. No chance. That's less yeah. than the franchise tag. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, they were offering something like twenty percent below. Now, my next question for you, Adam, that was that was a it was great to hear your take on that. And my final question for you is. Uh, what are your thoughts about Zach Wilson? How do you feel about the Jets drafting him, and what are your expectations for him going into this season? <laughs> I, I still remember watching uh, those games throughout the season and feeling so torn about we want them to win, but then they're going to lose Trevor Lawrence. It, pretty much when they won that first game, we pretty much, I think most of us knew Zach Wilson would be the guy. But you know what? You need to surround a quarterback with talent. And the guy I wanted in the draft more than anybody else was Elijah Vera Tucker. I, mm. I have done some mock drafts to the point where I was, I was almost ashamed of myself. <laughs> I was breaking down <laughs> fifth and sixth games, but Elijah Vera Tucker was the guy I wanted. And I could st- we were having a draft party at A.J. Gators, the group was. 
And the position where I was sitting, I could see ESPN, but everybody else was watching the NFL Network. And I think ESPN had the news first that the Jets had traded up. And the second that I saw the Jets were on the clock, I knew it was for AVT, and I literally jumped straight up in the air and on my chair. I was so pumped up. So the point of that is Joe Douglas knows what it's going to take to make a quarterback succeed. You know, I love the first four picks of the draft. Uh, I didn't know a whole lot about Elijah Moore beforehand, but everything that you see, uh, not just Jets guys, but national media guys are just infatuated with this guy about how even yeah. something he could project Tyree kill. I mean, we could only pray that that would happen, you know. Uh, but mm-hmm. Michael Carter, I love over there. I think this offense could be um, – this, ta- this offense is going to take a big step up by default just because Adam Gase is gone. Now, we don't really know what Zach Wilson is going to be yet, but we, but we have to say this. He doesn't have any excuses. He has some very, very good pieces around him. He's going to be protected. Yep. And I look forward to seeing his progress as the year goes on. Yeah, yeah, I do as well. We'll see what happens there. I know that there's a lot of big expectations. I understand that he's a young quarterback, so it's going to take time, you know, for things to kind of pan out. But like you said as well, we've done a lot. We've surrounded him with a lot of talent, and he's going to be able, you know, hopefully be successful, especially with our new offensive coordinator that we brought in. So, Listen, Adam, this is phenomenal to speak with you, man. Before I let you go, go ahead and give everyone all of the contact information for your, for your fan club, where you folks meet, and how they can get you know, involved with everything that you folks are doing there in Virginia. Absolutely. So if you're ever in the area, we meet at AJ Gators on a Shore Drive in Norfolk. So it's the north side of Norfolk. There's actually several AJ Gators in the area. Uh, and if you come down, try the uh, Gator Burger with the uh, cheddar cheese, uh, sautéed onions, uh, fried jalapenos, the crispy bacon. Fantastic burger, by the way. And uh, the, But the best way to contact us is Virginia Jets fans. Uh, send us a request. We just put in, you know, two or three questions like, are you a Jets fan? You know, where do you live? Things like that. Uh, but we'll, stay, we'll still take you even if you don't live in Virginia. But uh, I am trying to expand the content a little bit, maybe put some YouTube videos out there and things like that. Um, we did have a website, but uh, we found it wasn't generating the traffic. So right now Facebook is the focus, and I'm hoping to expand into uh, some more video content as well. Yeah, absolutely. So awesome, Adam. Again, I want to thank you for calling in, my friend. And, again, keep doing what you folks are doing out there. You have yourself a good night, all right? You too, my friend. Talk to you later. All right. See you. Listen, that was Adam Bartolo again of the Virginia Jets fan. Yeah, he's calling in. Listen, they're doing a lot of big things out there in Virginia. Again, you can go on Facebook, search the Virginia Jets fan club. They'll pop right up. And I'm telling you, get involved with everything that they are doing out there. That's a fan club that is very active. As he talked about the chili cooks off, all the things that they are doing, they are absolutely phenomenal. So, again, salute to him, and I want to thank him for coming on the show tonight. So, listen, folks, we've got to dive into it. This situation with Marcus May and this contract situation, it is it is really continued on here. and. We all hope that going into this offseason that we would be actually be able to get a deal done with Marcus. Uh, you know, when you look at the situation, especially after the, the nonsense and drama that we dealt with with Jamal Adams and all that stuff going on, Marcus May was here through all that stuff. And this was a guy that stepped up. 
He's a team leader. His play the entire season was solid. You looked at the games that we were winning, the games that we were in. He was a big part of a lot of that stuff. This was a guy that put on, and he was always quiet, no drama, no nonsense, none of that stuff out of May. He was a guy that just put on. The skill was there. Everything was there. But things just, they didn't work out. We weren't able to get a deal done, and now the things are, more things are coming out, talking about negotiations around that time, that things were really falling apart, especially around that tag deadline, as Adam talked about as well. seems like the Jets were trying to offer him about 20% less, $8, 9000000 million, you know, something like that in the realms of that. Uh, you know, so that was lower than the franchise tag. They were trying to offer him $8, 9000000 million a year. He didn't take that. And it just seems like, you know, even though they're saying, hey, you know, publicly they were coming out saying they were trying to work out a deal, you know, he was trying to work out with offers for the Jets as well, and now that offer has been pulled off the table. And now we're looking, you know, two days before the deadline, the 15th of July is the deadline for, to, for them to give him a deal, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And I'm looking at the situation, and I'm saying to myself, I understand both sides. I truly do. You look at, you know, Marcus May, and here's a player that's phenomenal. I understand that a lot of people may not, you know, may look at him and not think that he is, you know, the most elite safety in the league, but this is a very good safety. This is a guy that is versatile. He can do it all. If you want him back in coverage, you look at his coverage ranking. They're near the highest in the NFL. He's always talked about as one of the better coverage safeties in the NFL. No doubts about it, okay? This is a guy that you can put back there. He won't get destroyed, you know, in coverage or anything like that. Then you can bring him up into the box as well. We saw him make plays coming down and, you know, run support. He would hit guys, all kinds of things. He can do it all. He's a safety that can play multiple positions. He can do his thing. You know, he's not a guy that just has to sit back. He can come down into the box and he can handle business. But you look at it from his situation, it's like, hey, if he thinks that he can get, you know, more money than that, he's looking for more money than that, he feels like he should be paid more, why would he sign a deal if you're only offering him eight to nine million? Why would he do that? You know, then you look at it from Joe Douglas' side. He's like, hey, I don't want to overpay your safety. I want to get you for as little as I can get you for, you know, eight or nine million right now. Hey, go ahead and I'll offer you that. And if I can't, I'll tag you. And then guess what? If you don't sign it this year, if we don't get a deal worked out by the deadline, I can tag you again next year. You know, so. That's, that's the side you're looking at from Joe Douglas's uh, situation as well. And then it starts to make me think, too, I'm wondering when I think about this situation, what do players in the locker room think about this? Because you also got to look at it from that side, too. When you look at Marcus May, again, I talk about all the things that he's brought to this franchise, uh, the, you know, the ability out there on the field. He was the guy that was voted, you know, he was a team captain. He's a leader in that locker room. You got to think, do so, would some of these young players look at this situation and go, okay, well, Marcus May has done everything right. When Jamal Adams was exploding and telling random people out on the street that he did not want to be a New York Jet and he was trying to go be a Cowboy, Marcus May was, you know, still doing his thing, working in the facility, trying to handle business, doing whatever he could to put the best products out there on the field for the New York Jets to be productive. When everything was going awry, Marcus May was one of the stabling points within the locker room. And his play was phenomenal, too. Even though we were having a bad season, even though the scheme may have not have fit him, you know, the best way that it could, he was still going out there and doing his thing. So you've got to start to think with some players in the locker room, look at the situation that he's going through right now with the New York Jets and go, 
man, this guy's done everything right, and they still aren't giving him the type of deal that they should. They still aren't paying this man, especially when you look at the Jets' history as well. They have a long history of not being able to keep players. We have a long history of that. We have a long history of not being able to re-sign guys that we draft, that come in here, that play well. We can't keep them. They always go somewhere else. We always miss out on their prime. We have a long history of that, a long history of that. So there's a lot of sides to this situation, man, a lot of sides to this situation. We were all hoping that it would get worked out. But as of now, and again, this is the 13th of July, okay, as of now, it's looking like he's not going to get that deal. It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. Because Marcus May, again, he's one of my guys that is one of my favorites. I really like Marcus May. And I was hoping that we would be able to sign something now, but if it doesn't get done now, we got to see what the future holds going forward with him. Because, again, he could be tagged again next year. And then, you know, things could really boil, boil, boil over and blow up, let me tell you. So, again, 515-602-9639, 515-602-9639, call in. We are taking live callers. Wherever you're watching me from, please like the stream. You know what I'm saying? Also, give it a thumbs up if you're on YouTube. Subscribe and turn on your notifications. You know what I'm saying? Wherever you're watching me from as well, if it's not YouTube, because I stream on multiple platforms, please like the stream and please share the stream as well. Retweet it wherever, wherever you see it or send it to your friends. You know what I'm saying? We're going to talk. The lines are open again, 515-602-9639, 515-602-9639. Call in. You know what I'm saying? Also, when you call in, I got I to gotta say this because some people <laughs> don't get it. When you call in, you don't have to call in and hang up, call in and hang up, call in and hang up. I can see you, okay? You're in a queue. Be patient. We'll get to everybody. The lines are hot. People want to talk. I'm going to get to everybody. You know what I'm saying? We're going to hear everybody's take. Also, the only thing I don't allow on my show, do not call in cursing on my show. I'll get you out of here. I'll get you out of here fast. I'm talking faster we got rid of Adam. <laughs> That was fast. We got his ass out of here. So we're going to get to these lines again, 515-602-9639, 515-602-9639, call in. First guy I'm going to on the stock, on the docket, man. Listen, I got to go to my guy, Steve, man. I'm going to my guy, Steve. My guy, Steve, is on the line. Salute, Steve. I want to thank you for calling in tonight. What are your thoughts about this situation with Marcus May, man? There's a lot of talk. There's sources talking about how, hey, <laughs> The Jets are, have offered him, you know, 20% less before the tag deadline. They were offering him 20% less than, you know, the average per year on the tag. Now you look at this situation with Marcus May, it seems like there's not going to be a deal done before the 15th. How are you feeling about this situation, man? Well, first off, Joe, it's always great to hear from you, man. Great to hear from you. Um, before I get into the talk, good talk, I wanted to let you know that the guy who you had as your special guest, the guy Adam from the Virginia Jets fan club, he, um, I, just, I just went on to be a part of his group for the Virginia Jets fan club, and I just became friends oh. with him on Facebook, social media. No, nah, he, he was a great club. about Steve that's what this is all about connecting Jets fans man go ahead go ahead man yeah no I wanted to just get to that first but now talking about the Marcus May situation listen you know listen Marcus May last year was the best defensive player on the team 
Him and Quentin Williams were the two best players, but Marcus May was just slightly better than Quentin was. Here is the thing. Yes, Marcus May, does he deserve a contract extension? Yes. Now, the only thing is, though, that that does kind of worry about it is, is that now that it's not going to happen is, is he going to make an attempt to hold out a training camp? Or is this going to be a situation now where his agent posted on Twitter today about it, about the fact that he may not get the extension, but he apparently, you know, you know, said that because now he's trying to put the pressure on the Jets front office, not Marcus May, but his agent. Like, he's trying to put mm-hmm. the pressure on Joe Douglas. Listen, here's the thing. I do – listen, Joe Douglas, out of all the general managers that we've had for, for the years, you know, from Tannenbaum to Isaac to McCagnet, now we have Joe Douglas. You know, Joe Douglas is the type of a guy – and, and I know that Robert Sala wants to see, like, in his situation, too, when he plays as well. The thing is, I think Sala and Douglas may want to see a year. I know Douglas says that he wanted to give him an extension, but and I kind of had a feeling that Joe Douglas was going to try to go the cheaper route, which I know that his agent and May is not going to accept. I mean, listen, I'm not going to panic about it right now. Because the thing is, like, the only way I'm going to start panicking is if May is going to say that, you know, I'm going to possibly hold out. Okay. Well, listen, Steve, I I hear what you're saying there, and I understand not panicking. I really want to break this situation down with you because you know your stuff when it comes to these New York Jets. Here's the deal. I'm going to start, you know, with with the side of the players, okay? I look at this situation. If I'm a player in the locker room, I'm saying to myself, hey, man, Marcus May has done everything right, everything. No issues, no issues off the field. He's a guy that when he gets on the field, he plays to the wall. No one questions his, you know, the ability. No one questions his heart. No one questions his effort, nothing like that. So if he's given it all to the Jets, you know, and they still have not found a way, you know, to work out a deal and re-sign him, don't you feel like other players in the locker room will look at this situation and go, if this guy's done everything and given it all to the Jets, then and they haven't resigned him, there's no chance of them giving me a deal either. Maybe I should look, you know, start to look elsewhere instead of even trying to work out a deal. Why should I try to stay with the Jets hard? Yeah, I know. Are you concerned no, no. about that? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it is, Joe. But you know what it is today, and unfortunately, this is today in every sports world. It's not only football. It's not only basketball, baseball, hockey. It's all about one thing, the money. The money is what it's – yeah, it's always about the money. Like, hey, listen, remember when Jamal Adams said last year the kind of contract he wanted if he wanted to stay with the Jets, five-year deal, $100 million, $20 million guaranteed? You know, let me tell you something. If if Mike McCagney was still our general manager – he would have given Jamal Adams that contract, okay? And then we would have been so screwed for many years, Joe, if that contract happened. We would have been done if that contract yeah. happened. But you know, but you know something? Listen, Joe Douglas is a football guy. I know he did say in the offseason he wanted to give Marcus May an extension. I know I remember when he said he's going to give him an extension. But let me tell you something right now. I'm not going to panic just yet. I'm not going to basically say, okay, you know, why isn't May re-signed to a, to a new deal? You know, I don't know what's going to happen. But you know something, Joe? 
listen, I know that was the one thing that was a bummer today, but the thing that was the most exciting thing that happened today is, is that training camp back in Florham Park, New Jersey, is officially reopening to the public. Fans can go back to Florham Park, New Jersey for practices. Now, I know, unfortunately, Joe, you can't see them because you're all the way out in Cali, but you know something? But, but, But the one thing is I'm looking forward to is August 7th is when they'll have the green and white practice at MetLife. I know I know you may not see it in person. I know you're going to probably live stream it, which I know you've done before in the past. But, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be an exciting time. Because the thing is, Joe, now, I know I said this before, you know, going into this into the season right now, and I know we, you want to address one, one position with the offense. That cornerback position still worries me. Listen, I don't know what's going to happen with the corner position, but we're going to find out. It's just – just excited to see what Robert Sala does with this team. Yeah, you know, Steve, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of people are concerned about that cornerback situation as well, especially when you look at Bless Austin. You know, there's a lot of question marks on the cornerback position. Uh, like I was just saying, Bless Austin, big-time question mark. You look at the situation with Bryce Hall, you're wondering if he can be consistent within the second year, if he could step up, if we can see more out of him. That slot corner position is wide open. A lot of people are saying, hey, Michael uh-huh. Carter could be uh-huh. the guy. Some people are saying Gundry. There's a lot of talk about a lot of different people there. So I understand your concerns about that, Steve. But I want to end this call on a positive note, man, because you really brought a lot of fire tonight. And it's kind of, you know, not everybody's happy about this situation with Marcus May so far. But my final question for you is going to be, man, what are your thoughts about Makai Becton being rated a top ten tackle by ESPN? That's something to hang your hat on, right? Are you happy about that situation? He absolutely deserved it, and he and he got absolutely robbed by not being in the – I mean, even though we didn't have a Pro Bowl last year, he should have been a Pro Bowler. I don't know how he does not become a Pro Bowler. I don't know how he yeah. doesn't become a Pro Bowler. And the thing is, you know, a lot of people were saying that, you know, in the off season, you know, so far, he did say he wanted to work on his weight, and even Robert Sala told him, I want you to work on your weight, you know, during this time off. I've seen the workouts he's done in the gym. He looks so much better than he did last yeah. year because, you know, he did have that belly last year, but he turned it. In. He, he definitely lost that belly. I mean, I think, I think they said that before they went on their time off. I think he was uh, 365 or maybe 370. He looks like he's lost at least 50 pounds, the guy, and he looks a lot, he looks a lot better. Yeah, he looks phenomenal. I, you know, I've seen him work out constantly. You know, he's always looked good. I, I just I can't wait for this season. He got robbed from a Pro Bowl last season. I think that this is going to be an all-pro season for Makai Beckton upcoming. I think he's really going to continue to put on and show people what he's about. So, listen, Steve, i got to get hey, back Joe. to these lines, man. I'm hey, I know you, you got to get back to the tonight, calls, right? Joe. Joe, thank you so much. But just remember, all gas, no break. Let's go. Absolutely. Absolutely, Steve. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. These knows what time it is. You know what I'm saying? So salute to everybody again. The lines are open 515-602-9639. 515-602-9639. Call in. We are talking Jets. We're talking Marcus May. We're talking a lot of things here. This contract situation has not gone the way a lot of people believed it would. So, I'm going to keep getting back to these lines. I'm going to my guy, E, man. My guy, E, 
He is on the line. I already know that E's going to bring the fire. We all know how E is. Listen, E, salutes to you. I want to thank you for calling in tonight. Give me your thoughts about this situation with Marcus May, man. Seems like a deal's not going to get done. Seems like both sides are pretty far apart. How are you feeling about this, man? Yo, how you doing, man? Hope you're doing well. So, with Marcus May, you know, it's tough. I wanted him to get a deal done. Um, now the I'm opposite of some fans are saying give him like $15 million, give him anything he wanted. Uh, I'm not, you yeah. know, I don't think he's worth that much. But I would have loved to see him get an extension. Um, but for me, though, you know, it's not over. We still have, what, two days to go. And I have an example of happening to one of my other favorite teams, a big New York Mets baseball fan. And we had a player we traded for in the offseason, Francisco Lindor. And he was, this year was going to be his last year of his contract. And he set a deadline. He said, I'm not negotiating a contract extension in the season. So fans started getting panicky, like, oh, no, Lindor's not going to sign a contract. Everyone was calling him, oh, he's a fraud, money hungry, screw this guy. Right before the season started, contract. So you never know. Mm. And, you know, the stories don't really get out of the building that much with since Douglas has showed up. So all this stuff could completely be false. But I don't think they're going to get a deal done, honestly. Now, I don't think this makes Joe Douglas a complete cheapskate. I think he's, he's proven that he, he can spend some money. I mean, last year, he, he brought, brought the cash out a bit. But, um, you know, it's a tough situation. I think you probably, you know, play him on the franchise tag this year and then franchise him again next year and just maybe have him for two more years. Because what, what are we going to give him, like three years, including this year? You're just taking off one more year. Like the dude's not the youngest yeah. player. He came into the NFL at a pretty old age. I know safety doesn't age as poorly as corner does, but obviously, you know, it's 30 years old. You start to hit a bit of aggression. It's not like quarterback or offensive line where guys play late into their 30s. So it's an interesting situation. You know, it's good that team this year. I doubt he's going to hold out. I know the NFL has new policies with all the you know fines and whatnot. I don't think he's even the type of guy to hold out. He, you know, he's a leader on the team. Um, you know, Salah, I, I think he set a, a good enough culture for guys not to be holding out like that. So I'm not I'm not too worried about that. The, the interesting thing, though, yeah. with him is, like, when we drafted Ashton Davis, I always thought of him as him as more of a free safety as well as, you know, Mark Smith. He's, at best, in my opinion, a free safety. So maybe that might be why that they're keeping Marcus Smith only for one more year, only for two more years, because they want to make Ashton Davis the full-time free safety, because I don't think he'll be a starter in either spot with Joyner this year. I think he can, he'll be kind of that chess piece. Like he can, he's very versatile. Play some strong, play some free, yeah. play some, you know, some nickel, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and, and, and again, he salutes to you. I want to thank you for calling in. You bring up a, a great point, but my thing about it is you got to see if Ashton Davis can even be healthy for the full season. Yes, yes, yes. You also got to see that the, that the talent is there. Look, I understand, you know, you may – think that Ashton is the future, but Marcus May is one hell of a safety. Like, he's one hell of a football player. You know, you don't don't want to move on from talent if it's there, even if you can give him maybe a three- to four-year deal. And even going back to Marcus May in this situation with his contract, I look at it like this. I understand that Joe Douglas doesn't want to overpay. I don't want Joe Douglas to overpay. I don't think any of – any Jets fan – most Jets fan, let me back that up. Most Jets fans do not want to see – him dramatically overpay, you know, for any player. But the deal is, is that when you look at the situation, you want to make sure that you're able to keep your own. We have a long history of not being able to do that, right? We have a long history of guys performing here. You know, some guys perform well out of the drafts that we have, 
and then the guys that perform well, somehow they walk away. And I think that that's big as well. That's why I'd like to see them be able to get the deal done. And then the, another thing, and I'm going to ask you this question as well, is that what kind of message do you think this sends to the locker room if Marcus May isn't resigned and he doesn't get a deal? Don't you think that that will kind of reverberate to some of the younger guys looking at him going, hey, this guy's one of the best players that we have on defense. He's a team captain. He's done everything well. And this guy still can't get a deal. There's no chance that I'm going to get one either. Yeah, that's a tough situation. You also got to remember that this is when Joe Douglas didn't draft him. Like this isn't, you know, one of his guys. And outside of Quinnen, who I can see getting extended long-term in the future, everyone else is most likely going to be Joe Douglas guys. But I don't think it's said. Like, I think the players respect Joe Douglas, respect his process. Obviously, he brought them Salah, who they all love. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting to think about that. You know, players want to see their teammates get paid. You know, players want to see their, their teammates, you know, achieve the things that they need to achieve. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a tough situation, man, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, too big of a deal. Yeah. So for you in your mind, if you were the Jets general manager, what exactly, you know, what is the most that you would be willing to give Marcus May per year? I'd give him $12 million at, per year at, at most. I try to get more okay. of that, like, you know, 11 range, but 11 to 12 that, for me. Okay. Especially since you yeah. were able to bring down uh, uh, Crowder's contract a bit and Moses wasn't too expensive. Like, you you have a piece of that cap left, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right, I'm right there with you. That's where I was. I told people even, you know, Months ago, you know, when offseason started, I said, I, I really, the 11 million is for me 10 to 11 million, but I touched that $12 million range. I'd have no issues with that. Now, 13, 14, you get up in there, I start going, I don't know, my man. And I love Marcus May. But, and yeah, you know, you're a big May guy. Yeah, I'm a big May guy, but I don't want to get too crazy for a safety. But I, 12 million for me, that, that that's a solid number there. So I, I'm hoping, again, we're all hoping that the Jets get a deal done. According to sources and things that are being reported, the sides are very far apart, and things have been, you know, deal has been pulled off the table, you know, these la- within this last, you know, little bit of time. And again, we're still about 48 hours away from the deadline actually hitting. So hopefully they can get something worked out. But if they can't, he's going to be playing on the tag this year. And who knows if they can't get anything worked out, you know, next year he might be playing on the tag again. You know what I'm saying? So that's a that's a it's a sucky situation, but. I want to talk to you a little bit about the rest of these safeties, though, E, because you brought up a guy that I'm wondering what he's going to do coming into this season, a guy, Ashton Davis. Now, like you said as well, you you believe he's talented. I I believe he is too, but we saw he had an injury issue. Um, He's still recovering from it. So now when you look at this situation, he's coming in, we're running a 4-3. What are your expectations for him this year, man? Because we saw some – a little bit of flashes here and there, but he had some plays where he was getting cooked too. So what are your thoughts about him, man, going into the season, and what are your expectations? Yeah, I don't I don't think Davis looked great last year, to be honest. I know there was that one play he actually got roasted against the Chiefs. Yep, that got I turned around, of. yep. Yep, yeah, yeah, it was ugly. Um, but for him, I think, <laughs> I think he'll be the third safety this year, but I think he'll get decent playing time. Now, I don't think he had much of an injury history in college, so but one injury – I guess it was pretty severe, but it was towards the end of the year. I believe it was a knee injury. So he needs to get healthy first and foremost. But I think bringing a joiner, you know, a veteran lead, mentor, leader, and fix the system well, that he'll play really well. And I think he'll have the start, starting strong safety job. 
like I said, I think yeah. Ashton Davis will be moved all over the place, kind of, you know, sub-linebacker, play a little, little in the nickel. You know, if anyone gets hurt, you know, would you rather have Ashton Davis or Matthias uh, Farley as your backup safety? You know what I'm so, um, you know, he'll, yeah. he'll provide quality depth, and I think he'll get legitimate snaps too. So I don't think he'll be a starter quite yet this year. He was definitely more of a developmental pick when we, you know, selected him. But I think he'll get, yeah. you know, decent playing time. Where do you think Joyner fits within this defense? Because there was a lot of talk of, you know, and I know things were floating around about Marcus May moving to strong safety and then putting Joyner at free safety and allowing Joyner to kind of roam around and do his thing. Do you think that that's what we'll see this upcoming season? No, I think Marcus May will stay at free safety. I think that's his best role. I know Joyner had his best years with the Rams at free safety. Um, but he also, you know, had experience playing in nickel cornerback with the uh, Raiders, which didn't grow, go great, but I don't know why you sign it. A safety to put him at nickel corner is pretty dumb. But, uh, you know, he has experience. He's a versatile player. Um, so I, I think he'll be the strong safety. I think I think you want to keep – maybe he's really solid, you know, in coverage, keeps everything in front of him. You don't, you don't see him running back, you know. With, you don't see his jersey name, as some football people say, as, you know, him chasing yeah. down after getting cooked by someone. So. Yeah, I, I would keep him at free safety. I like him there. Yeah. So when you look at this situation now and the safety uh, position, I want to get your thoughts on this. With our cornerback position being so suspect, how important is it for our safeties to succeed in coverage and not get cooked? Can you give me your thoughts on that, E? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I'm glad that our safeties we have are prioritized in coverage, the cover first safeties, because – I hope we don't have to do too many blitzes this year like we have in the past with a legitimate pass rush. So we're not having to, you know, take guys out of coverage to put them, you know, send them to the quarterback. So that'll help them tremendously. So if you have two guys back there, they'll be able to clean up if anyone gets, like, any, you know, our young quarters get roasted. So, you know, that, that's huge. So I think, I think the front seven has, you know, a bigger impact, but definitely the safeties have a huge impact on, you know, whether or not the corners will succeed or not. Also, May is, you know, a leader on the team, though. So help the guys out and whatnot. Yep, absolutely. Listen, you're bringing a fire in this call, E. I want to go to the offensive side of the ball with you because we haven't talked in a little bit, man. I want you to give me your thoughts on what do you think is the strength of this Jets offense at this point? What is a position group when you look at them? You go, okay, that bulls confidence in me. I feel like we're going into the season with these guys. We might be all right offensively. Yeah, the wide receiving core, which is crazy to say because last year, week one, we had Rashad Perryman, who's fast, and that's kind of it. Jameson Crowder, who's good, yep. and Chris Hogan, who's playing lacrosse now. So those are three guys going into the season, you know, week one. And now we have legitimate – we don't only have legitimate starters, we have legitimate depth. So, I'm, you know, we're five deep at receiver, and even Barrios, he's, I mean, as a fifth receiver, he's, you know, good enough. And, now you don't have to rely on guys like Jeff Smith and Lawrence Kager and, you know, Josh Malone and all these nobodies, you know, no offense to them, but they're not, you know, starting caliber wide receivers. So I think the wide receiving group is, you know, the strength of the team. And I even think the offensive line could be a huge strength. If, I think Beckton is, has all-pro quality to him. I think he has a shot at being an all-pro. I think he'll usually be a pro bowler this year. Um, if ABT plays well, which everyone talks about him being kind of a very safe pick, like very likely to hit, um, you know, McGovern, I think, can rebound with better guys around him. And then you got Moses. The big question, though, is that right guard position. Now, I think Ben Rowan, if he starts, will be better than he was last year. But it would be cool if he can't part, get that job just so, you know, you have all the, you know, young guys going forward, you know, with Wilson. 
you know, for the future, that would be huge. And that's just, that would be an absolute steal to get a starting guard in, in the fourth round. But mm-hmm. I think, yeah, the wide receiving, the wide receiving core, and then probably, probably the offensive line comes in next. I mean, we don't have really anything at tight end. I like the running back room, but it's nothing really um, amazing. So I'd, I'd go wide receiver. Yeah, the wide receiver core is strong, and I've, I've talked to multiple people about this. this is, you're bringing up some great takes right there. Listen, Elijah Moore, Davis, uh, Mims, who we're all – everybody's talking about that he's going to have a break, breakout season this upcoming season. Jamison Crowder back into the fold. We were able to restructure his deal and bring him in. Keelan Cole. I mean, you can go on with the names. This is a deep wide receiver core, man, extremely deep here. And now you're looking at a situation, and it does nothing but bode well for your young quarterback because you're doing for him what you never did for Darnold. You're giving this guy legitimate targets and somebody that he'll be able to get the ball to. Reliable sets of hands are out there. And, you know, so I love that. And you talked about the offensive line as well, especially with the addition of Morgan Moses, which was a great signing. This offensive line is looking solid. We still got a question mark there at right guard, but, hey, you know, you look at this – this line, and we're much improved. So Joe Douglas has done his thing, especially bringing in a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker, man. I mean, you know, this is a guy that's going to be a beast this upcoming season. So I'm extremely excited about what Joe Douglas has done up front. Now, my final question for you, E, before I let you go, because you really brought the fire tonight, my man, is what are your thoughts on Makai Beckton getting some love and being rated a top 10 tackle by ESPN? Are you surprised that the media kind of is – you know, giving the Jets a little bit of love because usually they just dunk on us 24 hours a day. Dude, How are you feeling about I, that? I'm huh? shocked about that. I, I'm shocked that the Jets get any love in, yeah. in this national media because we're the, we're the punching bag. Man. Even if we do something good, it, it's, you know, at pretty much New York teams in general. It seems to be, you know, the, the little brother New York teams, as they call it. But, you know, it's great to see Beckton. I think a lot of it is projection because did he play like the number six tackle in football? No, but that's just because there's so many great tackles in football. Uh, so I don't know who ranked in front of him. Obviously, he's studs there. But I know guys like Trent Williams, I think, were ranked behind him and uh, Teron Armstead. So, I mean, if you can get an elite left tackle, like Mekhi Beckton, if he can stay healthy, which seeing how well he's been conditioned recently, seeing how much weight he's been losing, uh, I'm confident he can do a better job of staying healthy. Dude, that's, he's going to be a so far, like, offensive linemen are never, you know, very fun to watch, dude. Beckton is the exception. He just he pancakes guys. He's, he's awesome, man. Yeah. You listen, E, you have had a great call. Let me give you a hand, man. See your audience, please. Man. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, I respect your, your takes today, E. You brought the fire, my man. You brought the fire tonight. Listen. Next time I have a show, E, I want to hear from you, all right? It's been great talking to you tonight. You have a good night, my friend. Yeah, of course, man. I appreciate it. You have a good one. You have a good one. Listen, E calling in with the fire, okay? With straight fire. A lot of great takes. He's always bring great takes. He's a great Jets fan. He knows his thing. He definitely knows his Jets. That's point blank period. So we're going to continue with these lines. Again, 515-602-9639. 515-602-9639. Call in. Before we get to the next caller, Jacob, we're going to be com- coming to you very soon. I'm going to go to my savages in the chat, all right? For those of you that don't know, huh, let me tell you something. I got a chat here. We're live streaming while we do the radio show, and I call my chat the savages. You want to know why? Because they are straight savage. Savage! <laughs> 
you something. These do these these people in the chat they get after. Okay, if they don't like your take, they're gonna let you know about it. All right. If they're not feeling what you're saying, they're gonna let you know about it. If they feel some type of way about a player, they're gonna let you know about it. All right. If they got something to say, they're gonna let you know about it. So we're gonna come to them right now, man. Sean Bennett in the chat. Salute to Sean Bennett. Sean Bennett says, "I'd give Marcus May three years, thirty-six million. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I think he said something close to that." about $12 million per year, it's a good deal right there, man. I could see that, and I think that's where, you know, they could fall. I really hope that this deal gets worked out, but we'll see what happens. Also, salutes to Bake Mangold as well in here. Um, Bake salutes. He says, I found my new favorite Jets YouTube channel. Thank you for joining. Thank you for coming in, my friend. Subscribe. Please turn on your notifications. Everybody, please, again, if you have not subscribed to the channel, please do turn on your notifications, give my stream a thumbs up, and please share my stream as well. You know what I'm saying? Salutes to everybody. So we're going to get back to the callers. Again, 515-602-9639, 515-602-9639. Call in. The lines are open. We're taking all callers, and we are talking jets, okay? Listen, I'm going to my guy Jacob, man. You know jacob got some takes, all right? Jacob, salutes to you. I want to thank you for calling in tonight. Jacob, listen, this situation with Marcus May, it's so far from what we're hearing the reports, things ain't looking so good. It's looking like we're not going to be able to get the deal done with him, and he's going to go into the season playing on the franchise tag. What are your thoughts about this situation, and how you feel about the Jets' contract situation right now with Marcus May? Hey, how's it going, Joe? It's been too long since I've talked to you last, so I'm glad to be back on here and talking Jets. Um, Absolutely. And I would say, you know, with the Marcus May stuff, from the second Joe Douglas got here, he's made a lot of moves where at the beginning people question it uh, and we start to worry a little bit, and he always comes through at the end and sort of, you know, calms us all down and we get what we wanted. And it starts with, you know, free agency on the first day. We didn't really see anything happen until pretty late that night. Uh, and we were wondering, what is he doing? He's not going to sign anybody, and we're all panicking and stuff. And then he goes and gets Carl Lawson, and he gets Corey Davis, which were two of the top guys on the board for their respective positions. And the same thing goes for the draft. We're worrying, oh, are we going to get that offensive lineman? Are we going to get that wide receiver? I don't know. And he comes through. And so it's another situation to where – you know, there's going to be fans who panic about it and say Marcus May isn't going to come back um, after the season. We're not going to get him sign an extension. But I think he will end up coming through if he feels that this is really an important guy to keep on the team. And I think if Robert Sala really feels that connection, they're going to work together to make it work. They'll find some way to make it work. And it's not like we're low on cap space or anything. I heard that next season we're all yeah. going to have $70 million. So we're not running low on cap or anything. Uh, it'll all work just fine. Yeah. So for you, when you look at this situation, and you, you've had some really, a really solid take there, Jacob. For you, if you're the Jets general manager, what exactly would you look to give Marcus May per year? What number would make you comfortable to give him per year in a contract? I think the number that the other two people have given so far with that $12 million is – I think it's perfect because it doesn't put him in the, you know, breaking the bank, uh, resetting the safety market value number at all. But it's also not telling him, you know, you suck, you're going to be deaf. I think it's that perfect ground for someone who's at that 
Pro Bowl, if not just a little bit below Pro Bowl level. I think it'll pay him his respect to where he feels like he's wanted, but it won't, you know, we won't go crazy and give him quarterback type of numbers in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that, Jacob. Now, when you look at it from the side of the team, right, if you're a young player in there, if Mate isn't resigned, what type of message do you think that sends to the Jets locker room? If, you know, young players that are looking up to him, even some of the other players, veteran guys that, you know, aren't up for deals yet, what, what kind of message do you think that sends to them if they don't get a deal done, you know, and are able to keep Marcus May for a while? Um, you know, oh, actually at the very end of the call here, there's one sort of like point or thought I had that I thought would be kind of interesting, but that's off topic. Mm-hmm. But getting back to this, um, I think it sends a message that's not so great at the moment, but if he does get re-signed, which I think he will at some point, either during the season or next off season, um, mm-hmm. I think it'll prove, um, uh, prove to them that, you know, you work hard, you keep your head down and uh, you don't start drama off the field um, that it'll pay off and we'll recognize it with a nice contract. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at this jet safety uh, situation right now, what player do you think, what young player do you feel is going to be able to break out this upcoming season is like a guy like Ashton Davis, a guy you're looking to really take a step forward and have an impact defensively for the jets this upcoming year. Um, I'm actually looking at one of the rookies in Jason Pinnock, who is a pretty under-the-radar guy, as well as Hamza and Nasir Lil-Dean, or however you pronounce it. Um, those are two guys who I think are really being slept on. And, you know, a lot of people, when they look at defensive backs, they look at a few numbers. They look at interceptions, of course, which everyone always – a lot of people base how good a player is on defense as a corner based off of how many interceptions they have, which is – plain wrong that's one of the least important things actually and they look at um the completion percentage against them as well as like the quarterback rating against them and in college jason pinnock had one of the best quarterback ratings against him um out of all corners in the nation i'm pretty sure and it doesn't really get talked about a lot because people like the big names and the first round names and stuff, but a lot of teams that are successful make their money off of finding guys in the late rounds who are going to be steals and who are slept on, whether it's an injury or something like that, like a Bryce Hall, someone who's had an injury in their past and, you know, teams like to say, Oh, he's done. And you take a chance on them and uh, to be great. And I think those are two guys who are that those types of players where, nobody's going to take a chance on them in the second or third round, maybe not even fourth. Um, But I think that just gives them motivation in a sense to prove everyone else wrong. Um, And I think those are two of the top guys along with Bryce Hall who are going to be pretty good players in my eyes. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Look, I I respect that. I think, you know, I look at the situation as well and I'm, I'm looking at Ashton Davis, and I think he's a guy that has great talent. You know, hopefully he stays healthy this season, this full season, but he's a guy that we saw flying around like a chicken with his head cut off last year. And, again, he's a rookie. You know, he's going to have those hurdles because we also saw him get cooked. I mean, you know, he brought up that tape where he got spun around on a route. Hopefully we can figure these things out. But especially, again, one of the things that really 
helps me, you know, both confidence within me about the young guys developing on our roster is the fact that we have a solid coaching staff. I think we all believe that, right? With Robert Sulla and yeah. Jeff Albridge, our, our, our defensive coordinator, these are guys going to be able to coach these guys up. These are guys going to be able to utilize these players and their skill sets and make sure that they're ready to go, and they're going to go out there and be able to put them in their systems and have them ready for success, put them in situations to be successful as well. And I think that if you look at coaches of the past in the Jets, you know, that wasn't a big thing. So, Jacob, my next question for you is I want to go to the other side. I want to talk to you a little bit about the offense before you ask me the question because you said you had a point for me. But what do you think is the strength of the Jets' offense at this point? Um. Surprisingly enough, I think it might actually be either receiver or offensive line in a way. Because when people think Jets offensive line, nobody really thinks of it as one of the best or, you know, all pro, pro bowl, whatever. People think of it as a joke. I mean, and they're not wrong in that sense. If you look at our history of offensive line, we have a few good players, uh, some Hall of Famers, but other than that, it's been pretty awful. And I think Joe Douglas has done a great job of finding young guys um, who have Hall of Fame potential, uh, and you mesh them with veterans who have proven they can be very solid and healthy and put together a very, very quality offensive line. And it's only going to get better with time, with the progression of Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker mixed with the veteran presence of uh, Morgan Moses and Connor McGovern. I think it's setting us up for a lot of success. And same with the wide receivers. We find that nice combination of young guys with Mims and Elijah Moore, and we mix it with the veteran presence and experience of Jameson Crowder and Corey Davis. And I think having that veteran presence to help guide the rookies and the young guys, it's slept on. And um, it never hurts to have that veteran presence to – guide you in your first couple years in the NFL, and I think it's really going to pay off for us. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Jacob, this has been a fire call from you, an absolutely great call. You said you had a point or a question that you had for me. What is it? You know, know, before I let you go, go ahead uh, and spit your take. Yeah, it might be a little bit of a a reach. People are going to go, oh, what is this? Um, But an interesting thing I thought of is – obviously we have a lot of money to spend over the next few years because, you know, most of our – Talented guys are pretty young on rookie contracts or, you know, just on one-year deals for not much money. Um, But a team like the Green Bay Packers has two specific guys who I think if we get into that next stage this coming year as to where we're not necessarily a playoff team yet, but we're a fringe playoff team. And we really feel like it's we're one piece away from being a solid playoff team. The two guys that come to mind on that team are Devontae Adams and Jair Alexander. And the Packers (laughs) obviously don't have a lot of salary cap to begin with. Um, And if they're wanting to keep Aaron Rodgers around, which obviously you want to, he's just won the MVP, um, they're going to have to pay him a lot of money, a lot of money, in the 40s, maybe even 50 million range. And that doesn't leave them with, with much room to extend Devontae Adams and extend Jair Alexander. And so if they get into that point where they think there's just no way we're going to be able to keep all three of these guys between having to give Aaron Rodgers $45 million a year, Devontae Adams is going to want 20 to $25 million. Jair Alexander is arguably the best corner in the NFL. 
there's just no way we're going to be able to retain all of them. Um, and we know that. Let's try to get a draft pick for them, like a first rounder, a second, not a second rounder, but I would say a first rounder. Um, the Jets could very well go out there because we have two first round picks this year too because of that awesome Jamal Adams trade that just is the gift that keeps on giving. We have two first round <laughs> picks this coming year. Um, and one of them, whichever one it may be, most likely the lower pick, we could very well go out there if we sense the Packers aren't going to be able to sign all three of those players. We could go out there and say, hey, our corner room, it's very young and unproven, and we love what we see in Jair Alexander. We'll give you one of our first-round picks this year because uh, we know you guys are struggling in the salary cap. We'll give you one of them, and you give them to us. Um, there's a chance they say yes I mean, because – you know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear, I hear that take there, Jacob. You know, but I, I look at the situation like this, and I, I'm not saying that Joe Douglas won't do that, but we all know that Joe Douglas is big on the draft, right? He's big yeah. on drafting because there's there's trades that could have been made left and right that a lot of people talked about that were you know could have been made on the table and they weren't, and instead he went to the draft. You look at what he did this year. Hell, you look at what he's done in the past. Getting Mims in the second round way lower than anybody thought, right? Uh, nobody thought the Mims would be there. He actually traded down, was still able to get his guy. You look at some of the miracles that he worked in this year's draft. We got, you know, some people consider uh, Vera Tucker the best guard in the draft. Some people were saying he was close to being one of the best or the second best offensive lineman in the draft. There were people saying that. But he definitely is the best guard in the draft, according to a lot of people as well. He got him moved up and basically gave up nothing to get the best guard in the draft, according to a lot of people. That was nothing. Getting Elijah Moore in the second round, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of moves that could be made. So I understand you talking about trading that first, you know, possibly that second first. But let me tell you something, especially with some of the holes that we have particularly, and I understand that Alexander could fill a need, but trading down and gaining more capital, gaining more value, because, again, we're still a team that's building. We still have holes. Linebacker position, you could talk about, you know, various spots throughout the corner positions. You know, we'll see how this year shakes out. But there's a lot of questions. That's a move that could be on the table. But I could also see Joe Douglas utilizing that draft capital to continue to bring in players, whether it be trading down or getting a guy, you know, that he feels is definitely going to be able to turn this team around. But listen, Jacob, this was a phenomenal call from you, man. You really brought the fire tonight. Give him a hand, everybody. Great call from Jacob as usual. Listen, Jacob, I want to thank you for calling in tonight. Next time I have a show, my friend, I want to hear from you, all right? Absolutely, absolutely. You have a good night, Joe. Absolutely. You have a good one as well. Listen, Jacob bringing the fire, okay? Listen, we're going to keep going to these lines again, 515 Six zero two nine six three nine. Call in. We are talking Jets. We're talking the Marcus May situation. Donovan, we're going to be coming to you next, so get ready, my friend. Listen, salutes to everybody in the chat. I call my chat the savages because they're straight savage. I want to go to them really quickly. My guy Gitmo Bob in the chat, salute to Gitmo. Gitmo says, uh, LBJ, the Jets don't retain their own players because most of our draft picks for the last decade, decade suck. Why pay them? You know, I hear that, Bob. I hear what you're saying right there, man. But there's guys that have been solid, and we have not been able to retain them, okay? You go back to the McCagnan era. Everybody talks about a lot of the issues and things surrounding Mike McCagnan. 
bad drafting, so on and so forth, right? But I think one of the biggest mistakes that he ever made was not re-signing Snacks Harrison. That was one of the biggest mistakes he ever made. If you look at who he actually chose to re-sign, that was the old Muhammad Wilkerson, and things just did not work out. Let me tell you something. But Snacks was one of the best. uh, He was one of the best interior defensive linemen in all of the NFL. He was. A lot of people said he was the best nose tackle in the NFL. And if you looked at the issues that we had going forward, teams were running on us left and right. We couldn't stop people up the middle, and it was a big time issue. He should have. He should have signed Snacks. We should have kept that guy around. He didn't make the move. There's other Jets as well that wasn't able to be retained too. So we got some guys that pan out. But when guys pan out, like I said, you know, Gitmo, it's tough for us to keep them. So we'll keep getting to these lines again, 515-602-9639, 515-602-9639. Call in. We are talking Jets, okay? We're talking straight Jets. So I'm going to my guy, Donovan, man. I'm going to guy Donovan. Listen, I, I'm everybody that's listening, I like Donovan. He's a good dude. He's a Knicks fan. He wants to call in and argue with me about the Knicks. I don't want to argue about the damn Knicks. I don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Why would I want to do that? I don't want to have nothing to do with a team as trash as the Knicks. I don't want that. Here we go. Here we go. You know what I'm saying? I want to talk Jets. He wants to talk Knicks. We'll meet somewhere in the middle. Because let me tell you something, the Laker gang, you know, the, the team that I love, we, we didn't want a championship recently. What have the Knicks won? Nothing. They want to argue with me, but they don't want to argue with Julius Randle. He's the one not showing up. <laughs> He's the one not showing up. Can somebody call him? <laughs> Can somebody call him? I mean, come call on. Call the rest what, of the team, too. What do you want? What more do you want from me? You know, I'm just here. I'm not the one making the news. I'm just reporting it. You know what I'm saying? That's all I do. But listen, Donovan, salutes to you. I want to thank you for calling in. You know I really enjoy talking to you about these New York Jets. Listen, this situation with Marcus May, man, (laughs) contract situations look like he's not going to get the deal that we all hoped that he was going to get. What are your thoughts about this situation now? Seems like the, the, the sides are very far apart. How are you feeling about this now, man? I don't like it. Just like you said before, we didn't sign Snacks, and that was a that was a big mess with him. I don't think Marcus May is on the same level as, as Snacks, but I just feel like at this point we need to show, like, our young players, like, you play well for us, you're going to get a contract from us, we're going to keep you in the locker room. And with Marcus mm. May, I think we needed to set set like a, a, a standard that like okay, this guy's been here, he's been through, you know, he has he had his injuries and stuff, and he's an older player, but I mean, yeah. I think he should get a contract now. I'm not saying to break the bank for the contract, but you got to get a deal done. I'm not what what is he asking money wise for? You know? uh, I mean, there, there's. Yeah, there's a lot of reports out there. Of course, you know, a lot of people saying a lot of different things. But I know that the Jets, uh, according to sources as well, these are reports too, the Jets basically offered him 8 to $9 million, pretty much 20% below the actual, uh, you know, franchise tag that he's playing on right now. And, of course, you know, that Marcus May wasn't going to sign that because he's like, hell, that's lower than the franchise tag. And, you know, uh, according to reports, again, he got higher offers from other teams. 
So I would guess it's probably somewhere in maybe the $13 million range, maybe 12 according to, you know, the other teams that might have offered him something. So we're all hoping that, uh, again, everyone has talked to tonight, and I want to ask you this question as well. Would you be comfortable giving Marcus May 12 to $13 million per year? Um. Yeah, on a shorter contract, I would give anywhere from eleven and a half to twelve. I don't think that that thirteen is out of the price range. But I mean, you, okay. you would have to over. We're not spending. We're not paying anybody right now. So if you get him on a mm-hmm. two year or a three year, you know, what I mean, heavy in the front of the contract, I don't really see because Marcus May is what thirty now, twenty nine, thirty. So I mean, he's an he's older gonna, player. Oh, yeah, he's going to be twenty nine. Right. So I mean. He's he's one of our guys, and he was the leader of that defense last year in a terrible season. I mean, you got to yeah. show him something. I mean, we you have to show the fans something. Like so, let's say okay, Quinn and Williams might be the next guy up. Well, what are we going to do with that? Possibly hit the mm. agency? No. Let, why don't we show somebody? Why don't we show the guys that are going to be coming up to contracts that we're going to pay for our guys to stay here? We drafted you. We're going to keep you. Mm. Listen, Donovan. Here we go. You talking that talk, and and that's that's one of the things that I've kind of discussed with people tonight is, you know, when you look at it, if you don't re-sign Marcus May, what kind of message does that send to the locker room? What kind of message does that send to young players when you have a guy that, when all the chips were down and you had the remember everybody the beloved Jamal Adams, right? Everybody loves President mm-hmm. Ball. All his prayers, right? Remember when everybody was just all in love with Jamal Adams and he just flushed all of that down the drain. When he was going crazy, I'm talking about crazy, saying things publicly, talking in the media, doing his thing, basically telling, you know, letting everybody know I will do anything and everything to get away from the Jets. Marcus May stood pat, was a team leader, played through the wall, and never stopped. No off-season or no, 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 off-the-field stuff, nothing, no nonsense with him at all. And so you just wonder what kind of message does that send to young players in the locker room when you're watching a guy that's extremely talented, he's one of the better safeties in the league, never had any issues off the field, always been a team leader, like you said as well, we talked about it tonight, been a team captain, but you're still not willing to pay this guy? You're still not willing to give him what he feels like he deserves? You know? What does that say? What does that say? You know, and especially we don't want to have to go into another draft and look yeah. for a, another needed position in the safety. Why don't we just sign the guy that we have? We don't know what we have with Ashton Davis. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That's going to be his replacement. So yeah. I say we should. I mean, we should definitely sign him. But yeah, and this is my next question for you, Donald, because you brought up a great point there. Ashton Davis, man, like you said, we don't really know because of the injury that he had last season. We were hoping to, you know, really see him fill things out. Now, again, he had some some decent moments. He had some questionable moments. What are your expectations of him this this coming season? Do you think that he'll be able to really turn around, take that step forward that we all hope that he will? I think he'll take a step forward in the fact that we have a real offseason. He'll have a, a full year of what the NFL is like. I don't think he's going to make a giant leap and he's going to be the guy. I think there's going to. Mm-hmm. I think they'll probably put him in the box, blitz him, things like that. You know, but I, I don't think he's going to make a huge step forward. I, I mean, 
with the off season now and and the and the staff that we have in, I think uh, he'll flourish a little bit more. But he's still still yet to see. What are your thoughts about a guy like Sherrod Nesman? Because we brought him in. Do you feel like he's going to be able to make some type of impact within that safety uh, safety room as well? Nesman, where, where did we where did we pull him from? Was he was a guy that was a free agent. He was with Atlanta. No, he was a guy that was with Atlanta. Played a little bit. Oh, we actually brought uh, him in. Right, and he played with our defensive coordinator in Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he knows the he knows the type of defense they're going to be running. So I mean, yeah. He, he might be able to, uh, you know, play along Marcus, Marcus May. I would, I, at this point, I hope we keep him and somehow it plays yeah. out the, the um, franchise tag. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that happening. I, I want to go to the offensive side with you, Donovan, because you're bringing some heat right now, man. What do you think is the strength of the Jets' offense at this point? Um, I would like to say our – Probably our running backs and our wide receivers. Mm. The running okay. back position for sure, because I feel like because Ty Johnson he ran really well. Josh Adams ran really well for us, and then we added um, Tevin Coleman, and then we got uh, Michael Carter in the draft. So that's a deep position. And the question is, is what they're going to do with Michael P. Ryan? Because I don't, I don't, I think Ty Johnson and Josh Adams might beat him out. To be honest mm. with you, they just they ran way better behind a terrible offensive line. Ty Johnson, every time yeah. he got the ball, he was averaging what six yards a carry. Man, he was looking good out there. He was looking good out there. I like Ty Johnson. Ty a lot. Johnson, and then the wide re- yeah the wide receivers. This is probably the, all around. I'm not going to say they're better than this because these were our last thousand yard receivers. But Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. I mean, we haven't had wide receivers since 2015. So, I mean, and it's not like it's like one main guy because I'm I'm not on the Denzel Mims bandwagon right now. I'd like to see more of him. Um, But Corey Davis is – I would like to see what he's going to do. You got to realize he's coming from the best running – one of the best running backs in the league. You have – A.J. Brown next to you. They had the tight end there, too. It wasn't like he had to be the number one guy. There was weapons all across the field. So now it's going to be like, okay, well, you're the number, quote, unquote, our number one receiver. You know, let's see what you can do at that number one receiving spot. But I think it might work yeah. well because, I mean, we have other guys around. So I think I think that's a strength for us. The, the, line, the, the linemen – Give them some time, let them gel together. I think we might have something there. I still think we're one guy short in the right guard position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's 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 a hole there, uh, you know, within our offensive line as of now because it's a question mark. I personally think that Cam Clark is going to be the guy to fill in that right guard position. That's that's who I think. Is yeah, I really hope so. Because if you if you tell me Greg Van Roten or you're no. keeping Alex Lewis around, oh my. God. <laughs> Ooh, that I don't. I don't want to see those guys ever again. I don't want to see those guys right. ever again. I want them out of here as fast as possible. And so my final question, because you brought this up, and it's great that you went there, Donovan. My final question for you is, when you hear about Makai Becton being rated a top ten tackle by ESPN, are you shocked that the media is just giving us any kind of love? 
because they're, they're so used to bashing the Jets. There's so much just they always want to try to find some way to smack the Jets around. Are you shocked that they sat down and said, hey, yeah, Makai Becton, he's a top ten tackle? No, I'm not shocked. His work speaks for okay. itself. Every time he was on the field, I mean, the man was mauling people. He's yeah. a monster. I mean, he's so big, you have no choice but to see him on the field. Yeah. You're automatically going to see yeah. what he's going to do. So, I mean, I think it would be more of a smack in the face if they didn't give him a top 10 tackle. <laughs> I, I would really be upset. But for them to give it to him, it's like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I respect rookie, it. I respect as a rookie, he, he was mauling guys. He was getting down the field. At that size to get down the field, that, that's scary. Unbelievable. And now you got uh, Vera yeah. Tucker next. You got Vera Tucker next to you, and you can he can get a one on one with a deep tackle, and you don't have to worry about the guy next to you because he's equally as smart as you are, and that helps McGovern out. So maybe McGovern might show us something this year too. I just think Makai Becton, as long as he's as long as he's not hurt, he's going to be a top. He's going to he might be a top five tackle in this league. Mm. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And like you said, as long as he's not hurt, which is going to be a big thing for this year, we saw the injuries kind of, you know, sack up with him from the shoulder to their breathing issues. There were other issues Ooh, that just kind of, you know, knocked him out of a couple of games. Yes, yeah, chest issues, stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, I'm hoping that he, he stays relatively healthy this year. He's able to get through a full year because I believe that he will be dominant. I mean, let's be serious. As a rookie, as a rookie, he was the best offensive lineman on our team. Not even close. Arguably Not the even best offensive player offensive on, our on our team. Well, okay. <laughs> you know what? I, I respect that. That's not that. saying much, that, but I'm saying. saying that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There were people saying I mean, we that. Frank Gore Absolutely. Yeah, we did. We did. And, and the Jets' offense was terrible. Yeah, but he, he, there was a lot of people saying that as well, that he was the best offensive player. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Donovan. This was a call from you, man. Give, give this guy a hand, man. Listen, Donovan, you brought the fire tonight, man. You brought the fire tonight. It's always good talking to you. You know your Jets, man. Now, your basketball, you know, I respect you. I respect you. I'm not, you know, a Knicks uh, guy, but I respect uh, you where you come from. You know, I, tr- I try to just mind my business. You keep bringing that you gotta to my doorstep. got to rep my home team, man. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, but, you know, uh, I mean, it, it, I, I respect that. But, you know, you know how it goes over there with the Knicks. Let's be serious. <laughs> Listen, Donovan, it's been great to speak to you tonight, man. You have yourself a good night, my friend. All right, Joe, I'll talk to you. Yeah, have a good one. Listen, for all of those, you know, people try to, Hit me up. I see some people in the chat. Oh, Joey, you're bashing the Knicks. I am bashing the Knicks. Listen, I'm just telling you the truth, okay? The Knicks are trash. They're trash. I try to show everybody respect, but then I got to I gotta hear about that, you know? I got people talking about, you know, hitting me up left and right all the time, talking about the Knicks. Oh, next year, Joe, you're going to see us. We're going to be in the championship. We're going to win ourselves. A, you know, we're, we're going to be – we're going to hoist that trophy, Joe. We're gonna sell. We're gonna win ourselves an NBA championship. You watch, Joe. Come on. You're smoking crack. Stop. You gotta stop. You guys gotta stop. You know. Salutes to me. You know what I'm saying. Can I give myself a hand for bashing the Knicks? Can I give myself a hand? Yeah. 
nothing like a good Nick Bashing to warm your soul. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm all about here. But, you know, I'm here to talk about the Jets. Listen, it's been phenomenal to talk to everyone tonight about this situation. You know, the situation with Marcus May and this, this contract, man, I'm really, really hurting. I'm really hoping that we are able to get something done. Again, we're still 48 hours away. I understand the reports are out there. The sides are far apart, but there's still time. Hopefully we can get a deal done. And if not, we'll see what happens this coming offseason because, again, they could tag him again. They could tag him again. But like I said all night, this is a guy that's a big guy in the locker room. He's a team leader. There's a lot of players that follow him. You know, if you cannot get this guy resigned, if you cannot make sure that he's a guy that you keep in your locker room a steadying force, what kind of message will that send to young players? We got to see. But Joe Douglas is a very good general manager. I have nothing but faith in Joe Douglas. He's a guy that has shown us that he knows what to do. He has a plan. He's not going to overpay. He's not going to destroy, you know, destroy this football team. He's not going to, you know, be taken advantage of. And that's one thing that I love about him. But we'll see how he handles this Marcus May situation. Listen, tonight was phenomenal. We had a lot of great calls. I'm going to go ahead and close out the show now. I'm the man of the people. I'm here for the people. Let me shamelessly promote my Facebook page. Everyone go on Facebook. Search Long Beach Joe. Like that page. My content's up there. Go ahead and give it a listen. Message me. I'll message you right back. I love going back and forth with folks about this football team. Also, leave me some feedback. I love hearing about what you folks think I do here on the Long Beach Joe Show. I'm also on Twitter as well at YoungJ000. Again, that is YoungJ000, the three zeros. Go ahead and follow me. I'll follow you right back. You want to troll me? No issues. I am the troll that lives under the bridge, and I will have my Vera Tucker jersey on at all times. Fight on, USC, fight on. That man is going to be a beast this upcoming season. Vera Tucker is going to be throwing people all over the place. He's going to be slinging people everywhere. Just run to the left side. Makai Beckton, Vera Tucker, is said and done. So please, again, follow me. I'll follow you right back. You're going to troll me, no issues. I am the troll that lives under the bridge. I'm also on YouTube as well at Long Beach Joe Jets. Long Beach Joe Jets on YouTube. That's where you can find the stream, a live stream through there. Uh, so you can find the stream. You can, you know, check it out live when we're live. If you subscribe, turn on your notifications. Also, please give my, my videos a thumbs up too. You know what I'm saying? So please go there. Check it out. If you want to troll me on that, no issues. I'll troll you right back. Just hit me with a comment, and let's go back and forth in the comment section and troll each other. So, again, people, wherever you see me, no matter where you see me at, because you will see me, okay, it is arms out, chest open, free hugs for everyone. Free hugs for everyone. The, 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 the hugs will cost you absolutely nothing. They will always remain free, all right? I want to thank Adam Bartolo for coming on. Phenomenal to speak with him again. Virginia Jets fans, you can type that in on Facebook. Check out everything that those folks are doing over there. Again, I want to thank him for coming on. It was phenomenal to speak with him. You folks have a good one. Peace.